got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Today we're going to air a special episode of Sports Nerds. It's actually not going to be Brian and I, it's going to be Brian's brother Jay and I. We did an interview in December with Eno Saris, who is a baseball writer for The Athletic. He has been on um, MLB TV significantly. He's, he's a baseball expert. And we talked to him about beer, but we get into baseball later on in the podcast. And so I wanted to share that with you. It, it, was, uh, it was an interview we did for Unfiltered, which is a show, uh, another podcast that Jay and I do for Tivoli Brewing Company. And so if you enjoy the show and you haven't subscribed yet to to Unfiltered, we, we really encourage you to do so. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, including this one here, including wherever you get sports nerds. It is just the Tivoli pint. You'll see the pint. And then a microphone. We are about, I'm thinking, eight, nine shows in now. And we've done interviews with, with a lot of brewers here in Denver and then beyond as well. I, I was out in Seattle a few weeks ago to do interviews with, uh, with the guys at Fremont and Rubens. And so we're trying to spread our reach a little bit. And so if you like beer and you like sports, uh, please do subscribe. If you don't, at least listen to this episode with Eno Saris because it's a it's an entertaining one, and he was an awesome interview. Uh, it got a little rough at the beginning, but I promise it gets better. Take care. Make you wanna holler, holler, From your friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel Jay. Man, him, and this other fool decide that we'll drink up what's left. So, okay, we're recording. I'm just going to ask you, how did you get, like, explain this love of beer that you have? Because of all the people that I follow on Twitter, um, you're the most active in terms of uh, your, your celebration of that sweet nectar. <laughs> uh, well, it, it actually has... Um... There's like the long story and there's the, the short story. The long story is just that I went to school in Northern California, uh, graduated around 2001, 2002. So uh, I, I was actually a social manager. So I got to throw parties uh, on campus. And uh, so I was buying beer and I was buying kegs of beer back uh, when Sierra Nevada uh, was in its, you know, maybe it's still in its heyday. But, you know, when, when Sierra Nevada was something new and, and crazy and different. Uh, at least for, for the people in my group. So uh, I just remember back then, but then, you know, I went to New York and London and it was more about cocktails and craft cocktails and speakeasies and knock on this door and, and uh, say the password type stuff. And that was fun for a while, but then I came back to California, was going to have some kids and it just didn't make sense. A, I didn't really want to do craft cocktails at home. I didn't really want to spend all that time and money to, to, to get that sort of same feeling. And then B, I couldn't, I couldn't get that drunk. <laughs> I couldn't get that soused. So I had these two kids, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old now, and uh, beer was just exactly the right speed where I could have a couple and still t- stay on top and keep the, uh, keep the knives and scissors out of their hands, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, drinking beer is a hell of a lot easier than mixing a cocktail every 20 minutes with <laughs> kids running around the house. Exactly. I, I can attest to that, having raised a 15-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an, and currently in the process of nearly four, 
Um, all of them been exposed, for lack of a better word, to both cocktails and beer. Um, something to be said for just popping the top on a craft beer bottle or can and going to town. And, and you know, it's also, in a way, more affordable to get to, to those kind of, to get to that level where you know a lot or, or have had tried a lot of different beers. Like, I, you know, just, just going to, like, local breweries and, and buying, you know, a $10 bomber, you can get to almost the same sort of level of sophistication with your love of beer that you would where you're buying $60 bottles of wine, you know? Yeah. Or $90 bottles of scotch. Exactly. So just in terms of what it takes to get to a certain level of understanding about the industry and what is being made. Like I, even now I've stepped back a little bit. I'm a little bit more into baseball than beer. I, I, I was running a beer magazine last year, but even now I find that, with just a little bit of attention and a little bit of of budget, I can stay on top of. I know exactly what all the sort of trends are and what's what's hot and what's going on, and 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 that's part. I actually like following. I like following all the little differences in beer from year to year. I mean, we had you know the milkshake IPA and the hazy IPA, and now we got the brewed IPA, and I'm just uh, I'm excited for all of it. I love I love the new ideas. Yeah, thus far we've had, let's see, we, we did uh, Brew with Tivoli, and then we went to Spangalang and had, no, where did we get the Blood Orange IPA? Where was that? That was at Spangalang. That was at Spangalang, and now we had that. No, day. I'm no. sorry. Blood Orange IPA was at Ratio. Ratio, yep. And then uh, today we just had the Hazy, so it's hitting here too. Yeah, um, you've touched on several uh, emerging trends in, in the brewery industry, at least in Denver. We might be a little bit behind the curve. What would you say to that? I don't know if that's true. I mean, y'all have the Great American Beer Festival, which is a really coming together of everybody and, and all the trends. And I, when I went there, I think two years ago, uh, I went to Cerebral and, you know, had some hazy IPAs there that I think would still stand up to whatever's going on right now. So I, I think there's a lot of, you know, in, in terms of like uh, sours and, uh, you know, you've got, uh, was it Casey, the, the blendery? Is that called Casey's? I'm sorry, say that again. I didn't hear you. You know, in terms of sours, uh, you've got uh, you've got a world class uh, blendery there. I think is it, is it Casey's or something? I forget. I can't think. Yeah, of it it's, now. it's uh, where's what's the sour? Pl- uh, we're going to get the we're brewery gonna, here. We're going to lie. What's the sour? Uh, the best sour place in town? Yeah, Casey's. Some he was saying Casey's. You know, saying Casey's. What's that? Does that sound familiar? I might have got. I might have that wrong. Oh, that's it. You're right. No, it's Casey's. Yeah, right. Casey's. Hey, there we go. <laughs> yeah, no, the brewers. No. Yeah. Well done, Eno. Yeah, that's that's impressive that you knew that. Jay and I don't even know. We're it. standing here with blank stares. Yes. Yeah, but no, I love I love uh, I love sours too, and uh, you know I love most of the styles. I just can't I can't drink on a a double uh, double barrel aged stout for for too long. It's just uh, it's a lot of uh, yeah, calories and a lot of alcohol. Yeah, we had one at Spangalang on Tuesday that was, my God, that was, it was like drinking just straight liquor. Yeah. It was crazy. It was amazing. It was uh, good. You know, you're, uh, you said you're, you're back in baseball more than beer. How do you tie the two or marry the two together? Well, I had a, uh, I had a column. I'm, I'm writing for The Athletic, uh, which is a new startup, uh, uh, a sports company, a baseball company. It's baseball. It's actually all sports content, uh, kind of subscription service. Um, and uh, I have a, a weekly column called a beer a ball game and a bag of mail where I just uh, I talk about a beer that I've had recently that sort of either is is on trend or just brings up a, a certain topic within beer that I'm, that I'm thinking of. And then I then I discuss a 
little moment in a baseball game that I saw, and then I I answered some questions in a in a in a bag of mail. So, you know, I, it's always been just a part of of something I do. Uh, I've usually had a, a weekly beer column, no matter where I've been writing, and I uh, it's almost like I don't know if people know who Peter King is. He's a football writer who's always had like a beer of the week in one of his columns. That's sort of uh, a, a sort of a, a model I've followed, I guess. I, I, that makes me happy because I'm a you know Peter King uh, reader and all that, but it's you know uh, I co-host another podcast and uh, we are baseball nuts, so it's nice to I guess it's, to me baseball and beer have always kind of gone hand in hand. So so what you're doing seems to make sense, and especially you know being in Colorado, Jay and I here on this podcast, I think baseball come come spring is going to really define everything we do everything's going to move downtown i don't know if you have you been out to denver before yes uh, a couple of times i love that city okay okay so you, you went to gbf you said okay because yeah. there's a there's a falling rock is actually a tap house yeah. right next to coors that has i don't know jay what would you say 100 different beers they on tap claim to be the, like the first or second largest craft beer yeah. tap in denver um and and there's a chain that kind of challenges that day to day but uh they're one of the originals they've been there 30 or 40 years yeah it's next yeah, time you come here make sure you go there yeah, yeah just come great, to town and buy the baseball tickets exactly. <laughs> you come and see us and it's it's like right by the park i mean you can yeah yeah, yeah it's right there yep it's right across from uh, i'm trying to think with the other board a sports column i guess yeah right uh yeah it's around something okay so you know um next question what's the most recent beer you've had Ooh, let me go to my untapped profile uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can, we, can we follow you? Can you follow Eno Saris on Eno Saris. Untapped? That's it. It's E N O S A R I S on Untapped. I'm actually a big fan of Untapped because it. I'm, I don't have the greatest memory, and so it's almost just like a way for me to log, uh, you know, what I'm having. It's not necessarily about bragging. It's about sort of oh, I remember having this, you know. Yeah. You know what? And also, I used to run a website called Beer Graphs, and we did leaderboards where we did sortable leaderboards for beers and we did that uh, based off of untapped data. So uh, I actually want to get into that after you answer this question the, about your most recent beer. I want to ask you about beer graphs. Okay. Well, uh, my last three were Firestone Walker Mocha Merlin, which is a, uh, inter- is a nationally available uh, oatmeal stout. That's really, I got it at a Costco and I really liked it. Uh, I got it. I had a local Drake's uh, brood IPA, which wasn't my favorite of the style, but I, I do like the style still. And then uh, Toppling Goliath, Fire Skulls and Money, which is uh, was a really good hazy IPA. So wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! I grew up just outside of Decorah, Iowa. Ah. So the fact that you know what Toppling Goliath is is extremely impressive. And and well, and now Toppling Goliath, I think, is getting a little bit more distributorship. So you're starting to see them. Uh, I think they made an agreement with a, a brewery in Florida. So you're starting to see. I'm starting. To, at least I'm starting to see them here in California a little bit more. I didn't have to. Didn't have to trade for that one, but I remember trading uh, for their beers back in the day. I mean, uh, Pseudo Sue, the first time I got my hands on that, I was very, very excited. It was one of my first oh, favorite beer. beers. No, wait. Okay, so we were talking to the guys at Spangalang. Is, is Topping Goliath the guy from Great Divide? Is that right? Oh, is, it, is, that, is that what the, the genealogy I is? I'm not sure. I think that, yeah. Wasn't that what, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think I don't, so. I don't remember. And, 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 and Darren, Darren was saying, were, yeah. yeah, I think they all worked together, actually. Uh, at Great Divide. Pretty sure that's, what, yeah. that's what it was. Oh, they did. One of those guys yeah. from Great Divide did go over to Firestone Walker. That makes no, sense. No, no, to, to, to Topping Goliath. 
Oh, wait, now I'm lost. No, I think that's what it was. Yeah, he moved to Iowa and basically said, I'm going to try to make this the best beer in the country. Yeah. And he did. Oh, I, now, yeah, you got me right now. Yeah, right We're going to have to start reviewing these podcasts <laughs> we before, before we record another one. <laughs> okay, so beer graphs, you know, yeah. explain the premise and what happened. Cause I'm, I, I miss it. Yeah, no, I wish, I wish it was still up too. Um, the, the data became, uh, too valuable and, and, uh, and when untapped, uh, got bought, they, the, the new company wanted their data. And so, uh, they kind of shut off. They used to have what's called an API where you're allowed to basically, uh, hook up to their, to their servers and, and ask them for data. Um, and, uh, we use that data to kind of, uh, create, uh, leaderboards, um, on, on beer graphs. And the fun thing about the leaderboards was you could sort them for location really easily. So you could say, you know, I'm in Arizona for work and I love IPAs. Let me just sort for the best IPAs in Arizona. And we had, we had dreams of sort of adding links to, you know, find it now, maybe through beer menus. Uh, so there's certain other, uh, sites that allow you to sort of find a beer quickly. Uh, and we thought that, that it would be really cool to just, you know, help people who are traveling, just be like, you know, Oh, I love, I love this beer. Or maybe I'll love this beer in Arizona. And, you know, this is where it is. It's right down the street. So, um, you know, that was, that was the sort of idea, but we also did a lot of research where we just took the numbers and tried to, we, we found some real, uh, brain breaking things like alcohol by volume and ratings are positively correlated, meaning as alcohol goes up, you get more stars, which I, I think most people in, in brewing are like, yep. <laughs> I'm more of an IBU guy myself, but yeah. ABB is okay too. We really wanted to get IBU through uh, the data feed, but we didn't, we didn't have that when we were doing it. We just, we did want to study that a little bit, but we didn't get to. So are you, are you traveling a lot just for, with, with the athletic and able to kind of experiment with some new places or is that something you kind of have to do on the side as a hobby? Well, there's two things going on. I do travel for baseball. I usually go to the all-star game, some of the uh, playoffs. Um, and so there is some travel for baseball. But then on top of that, I'm in California, which is a, one of like maybe the biggest. I think it is the biggest brewing state. It is the big, it's one of the biggest states anyway. Um, so that makes sense. But, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in California, north to south. And I travel a lot, uh, you know, up, up to Sonoma, where I have family, and that's where Russian River and Hen House and uh, a bunch of really good breweries are up there. And then I also go down to San Diego and LA a lot. So, you know, I have a good sense. I have a really good sense of what's going on in California, but I also make sure that when I travel, I, I check out what's going on in the new place. Tell us what we can send you from Denver in the next couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's got to be a bunch of new breweries. I'd love to try something from uh, uh, where you guys are at right now. The Grist. We're at Grist uh, Brewing, and yeah. uh, they're located in Highlands Ranch and Park Meadows, or Lone Tree, technically. Um, they've been here a couple of what, what do we say, five years today, um, and they're actually experiencing a transition to a new brewer, head brewer Kevin. Kevin, hey, hey. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm taking home a keg. I don't know if I can put that in the mail, <laughs> but uh, I'm happy to send you a couple of growlers or crowlers, perhaps. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, no, Colorado has a good tradition. I, I, I think that uh, every time I've had something from there, I'm, I'm into it. I'm trying to think, like, what uh, ratio was actually impressive the other day. Uh, ratio was good. Um, everything's been, we haven't had yeah, we're, shitty we're, beer yet. We're kind of snobs. We're not interviewing or hanging out with shitty beers, <laughs> but uh, it's going to happen eventually. We're going to yeah, make a mistake. Gonna... That being said, you know, 
Um, Northern California guy, do you ski? Do you snowboard? Do you spend any time in the snow? I do. I do uh, a little bit less with the kids, uh, but I and and I, I I ski and it. Sometimes I feel like that's pretty old school, but <laughs> I do ski. I never I never jumped over to the snowboard. Yeah, that's okay. The dark side's a bit of a difficult stretch. So, <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, there's a thing that you know, baseball and beer go hand in hand, but so does uh, baseball. I'm sorry, so does beer and skiing or snowboarding. And there's a study in Denver that just came out last week. Um, via one of our trendy, fluffy magazines saying that, you know, does does Denver's apres ski scene contribute to an entirely overindulgent drinking scene? Um, and, and I mean, just saying, like, what would you what would you guess baseball versus the winter sports? Who drinks more? I think baseball, because there's more there's more drinking while you're watching, while you're like at the game. And so you can drink before and after and during. Whereas, like, I mean, you can take a can up on the mountain with you, but you, you're not going to take, like, six cans in a backpack. And, like, what are you talking about? Maybe on the ski lift you'll sneak one in, but it's not it's not the same sort of thing. It's more après skiing. So that's that's when we're all winding down. That's fine. I got gotcha. you. You know, I'm going to also challenge you to ski with me one day in Denver or, or in, in the mountains of Denver, and uh, I, I will guarantee you I carry at least a four-pack, but that's okay. Um, with that being said... Well, I'd love give to me, uh, give me maybe your, <laughs> give me your give me your top three ballparks for craft beer yeah, in the United the States. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, the easy first is San Diego. They have a great brewing scene around them, and they actually do the best job of bringing them into the stadium. You can get um, you can get Stone and and, and Modern Times and. Uh, and uh, Ballast Point, uh, Pizza Port. There's a bunch of great breweries that have stands inside. And then they also kind of have like a rotating bar, which uh, does a lot. San Francisco's actual, like in the park, the beers are, are decent, but they have a bar attached to the park that have ins and outs where you, you can actually buy beer in the, in the uh, bar and take it into the stadium. And that bar called the Public House is the best single bar I've ever been to in in a um, in a ballpark because it's a it's a true chalkboard bar, as in it's all chalkboard and they just go through it and they wipe it off new wipe it off. They have sours in there. They have they have double stouts. They have hazy IPAs. They, you know they it's a true beer bar inside a park. Uh, and then also Seattle Seattle sounds pretty good. And then an underrated one is Kansas City because Kansas City has Boulevard and, uh, and a bunch of uh, good breweries nearby that they've brought into the park. They've done a good job also of getting St. Louis beers. I've yeah. uh, more to, to Kansas and City. St. Louis is kind of to... wed to Anheuser-Busch, you know, birthplace of Anheuser-Busch. So, you know, St. Louis proper in, in the stadium is actually a little bit underwhelming. Have you had um, Mothers before out of Springfield, Missouri? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, that's that's a good one. I'll have to try to get you some of that. Send you send it your way. It's it's one of my favorites. You know, I yeah, thought yeah. usually our job was to benefit from the interviews to get free beer, but it sounds like you're going to win that game this yeah, time. Apparently, oh, for sending it congr- congratulations. Now that being said, um, I'm I'm a little surprised, and disappointed, and and also not at all upset by the fact that Coors Field not making it in your top three. Um, but I will tell you that from leaving the stadium at Coors Field, you're going to find probably the largest concentration of breweries within a one mile radius yeah. now. Um, so if you, if you haven't seen maybe a 
Rockies Dodgers homestand here in Denver or, um, you know, the occasional playoff game. I don't know. That's very rare. Very yeah. rare. Very rare. Um, maybe you should check it out. And, uh, and, and, you no. know, a day game at Coors Field is nothing without a trip to, I don't know. Um, What's there, uh, our mutual friend? Our mutual friend. Yeah. Ratio is close by. We, I mean, we could do a number of those. But, yeah, the, the Coors Field Lodo neighborhood in Denver, huge brewery hotbed right now. Um, so if, if you're looking for a change of pace, you should cover the Rockies for a couple of days. That's, and it's, it's, a, it's a good point to bring up what's around it. I mean, that's another thing that San Diego does pretty well. There's half-door breweries right outside the park, and Stone has a little thing outside the park. So Sto- like San Diego has a decent sort of like what happens when you leave the park situation. Uh, but other places, not so much. Like San Francisco, you kind of have to travel to get it to anything good. And Seattle, Seattle has great beer inside, but uh you know outside is is mostly like you kind of have to drive somewhere you know well and then you know the the opposite effect i think in denver right coors field owned by coors so you're limited to really what are they willing to put up with inside the stadium that's not the silver bullet um, it's not but it, you it is out. that it is that there's a lot of partnerships and there's partnerships on the major league level where the ma- major leagues are sponsored by but anheuser-busch so you know they there's sort of a requirement on some level to have anheuser-busch products in, in most of their places but there's also the fact that it's also very difficult for a small brewery to actually keep up with the demand. If you have 50,000 people at a game, they could they could tear through every keg you have if if they want your beer. You know, it's a very sort of variable thing where, you know, they it's hard to keep up with that demand. So it's hard to like run that kind of chalkboard brewery that that's run outside of uh, San Francisco. It's hard to do that if you are in the middle of the park and everybody can get it and uh, massive amounts of people can just sort of tear through whatever you have. And then, you know, as a distributor, as a, as a ballpark, you just want certainty. You're just like, you want to know that you have those beers. And so there's only a certain, like maybe Avery could get into the ballpark there. Um, but, yeah. uh, but it would be really hard that to ratio to keep up with it. That makes sense. Um, public house, and you said San Francisco. Uh-huh. Is that accessible only with a baseball ticket? No, it's also accessible without one. So it's a uh, it's a pretty cool little halfway space where you can get in, you know, watch the game even if you don't have a ticket, or uh, you know, pre party there and take some beers in when you when you have a ticket. And is that public with a K or public with a C? With a C. Just like that. Okay, I know we only have a few more minutes, so I'm gonna. It's gonna kill me if I don't ask you some questions. Uh-huh. Very intrigued by your your uh, your little thread on Twitter about changes that baseball needs to make. How are we gonna do something about a pitch clock? Well, I just you know I said for a while I've been like ah baseball doesn't need to change. I love baseball. It's fine as it is. Uh, but you know as I've been thinking about it recently, uh, the fewest amount of balls in play ever the highest uh, velocity pitch velocities ever the most strikeouts ever. And it sort of led to a game where the ball doesn't get put in play very much. And if you're at a ballpark, when the ball gets put into play, when there's a crack of the bat, you'll see everybody look up from their phones. So I think, I think the ball in play is still exciting. Even if it's an out, even if it's a single, it doesn't matter. It's still a moment uh, where the ball is, you know, bouncing on the field of play and these, these great athletes have to do something about it. So I was just trying to come up with a couple ideas to 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 get more balls in play and maybe, you know, have more action into the average game. And the idea was 
you know, put a pitch clock on them. So one of the things that pitchers have been doing have been waiting really long uh, before they throw again so they can throw as hard as they can. They can. So that's been part of why velocity is up. Uh, but if you make them throw it faster, they won't be able to throw it as hard. You know, if, they, if you make them throw it more often and quicker, then they won't be able to throw it as hard. So I am hoping they get velocities down a little bit, reduce strikeout rates, uh, get the batter in the box quicker. Um, and um, what about the shift? I'm 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 OK with the shift. Um, you know, maybe maybe, you know, maybe you can do something about the shift. But I, I don't want to do what I the reason I was trying to talk about the pitch clock and stuff like that is that I find those kind of unobtrusive small changes that aren't huge changes to the game. If we ban the shift, we we're, we're writing a rule in and changing something that we've never changed before in baseball. The shift has it been allowed the for technical aspect of the game. Oh, yeah. yeah. So right. I don't mind the shift though. I mean, the shift's been around for what, you know, it's been almost a hundred years. I don't have a problem. With it. I just, it's, I know it's a hot topic this week. Managers meetings, owners meetings, right? Yeah, they, they, the they Indians... shifted Ted Williams back in the day. So exactly. Yeah. The Indians were the first ones to do it, right? Yeah. They, they, sh- they shift, you know, so I think the shift is just a part of baseball. I, I would rather, maybe you can say like, well, infielders can't st- stand on the outfield grass like a small little rule that's okay that's that's to me is like enforcement enforcement of the strikeout ra- of the strike zone enforcement of the shift that's cool but writing a thing out of baseball i don't like yeah create invisible lines on the field almost like lacrosse well lacrosse mm-hmm. they're actually physical but yeah um, i mean we, do we have we have infield cutouts right so uh, it's weird when the second baseman is playing in right field so then you say well you're an infielder you have to stay on the infield Okay, it's, it's only weird when the second baseman is playing in right field if he's not been drinking. <laughs> let's, let's, bring it, let's bring it back to beer here. Yeah. No, we got to put a keg on home plate. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the answer. You know, I thought it was at second base, but that must be. No, he's from Northern California. Not right? everybody makes it to second base. Everybody makes it. Everyone steps to bat. You've apparently met my wife, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I gotta ask you again. Okay, December exciting for you? Boring? Are you liking what you're seeing? Are we? I mean, where's Manny Machado going? What do you think? Yeah, I think Manny will go to Philly or New York. Um, I, I I went to the winners meeting in, in in Vegas and nothing happened, but uh, it was still fun because it was Vegas, I guess. Um, and uh, you know, the, these these off seasons have kind of started to drag out. Like they, the the moves don't happen as fast as furious as I remember them, or maybe I was just a kid. I don't know. But um, you know, it's just it's uh, just part of the game now. People want to you know get every little last dollar they can out of a deal, and uh, and so you know it's made trades harder and stuff like that. But you know, it's still it's still a fun time. You know, the one thing that's nice about December that's different than October is that everybody's team has a chance right now. So everybody, every fan of any team right now can dream on make this move, make this move and we'll be good next year. Uh, whereas in October, there's only a few teams left and, and uh, everyone else is just sad. Yeah. December's more about the chess board <laughs> and not flipping a coin or yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, rolling the, rolling the bones, I guess. Let me ask you this. Uh, Rockies are about to sign, and maybe they, they have. Sign. Oh, they uh, what are your thoughts? We got a new first baseman. No, second baseman, Jay. Oh, second. Gosh. Shit. I he can play first base though. No, I think. Yeah, I think they they were saying he might play first. Daniel Murphy. I I think it's a better sign than the Ian Desmond one. And um, yeah, I know. <laughs> and actually, More serviceable I, for sure. One of the things that uh, is so hard about evaluating Colorado teams is is because of the park, obviously. Um, but. 
you know, sometimes people say, oh, it's not a very good offense. And in some ways it wasn't. But when I look at that offense now uh, with Murphy in it, you got Murphy, Blackman, Dahl, Story, Arenado. That's a that's that looks like to me a very credible uh, lineup, a very good one. And right now the Rockies have their best starting rotation they've ever had, and uh, and they keep trying to to put to put relievers in there. So I mean, it, it's a good team still. It's definitely a good team, and I, I think they'll make another run out of this next year. All right, I want to ask you because uh, one of our first guests on on our sports podcast was was Sean Foreman, who created Baseball Reference. I got to ask you, uh, what's the most telling stat in baseball? If I had to pick one, and it, it you know, this one actually, one of the reasons I like it is because it works for both uh, hitters and pitchers. It's strikeout rate. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know there are there are hitters that can succeed with a with a good strikeout rate, um, with a big strikeout rate, and that's fine. But like who? Like 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 who are you thinking when you say that? Uh, like an Aaron Judge. Aaron he's Judge still, yeah. He still mashes, you know, and he strikes out too much, but he still mashes, and that's fine. But if you just gave me one stat, I'd love to have a I'd love to have a guy a batter that didn't strike out much, and I'd love to have a pitcher who struck everyone out. So in terms of good strikeout rates, who are some guys out there that have a solid one but may not be mashing home runs? Well, I mean, before Arenado broke out, that was kind of, you know, one thing that he did uh, was, uh, you know, do hit for good power but also just not strike out. Now he's just, a you know, a, an awesome all-around player. But, um, you know, Mookie Betts did the same thing where he, he used to hit 16 home runs and just not strike out and hit 300. But now he hits 30 home runs a year, too. So it's it, that's another reason I talked to Charlie Blackman about this. It's one of the things he said was, I'd rather be able to hit first and then you teach me power. And that makes sense if you think about Charlie Blackman's career, because he, he also didn't have much power, but he always made contact. So uh, Christian Yelich, the guy who just won the MVP for the Brewers, he used to just make a lot of contact. And now he's added power to his game. So it's kind of hard to predict, you know, who will do it next. Um, but, uh, you know, Jose Altuve did it before. Uh, maybe Xander Bogarts next year will do it. Uh, you know, it's just you just look up, up and down. Like Andrew Benintendi with the Red Sox makes a lot of contact. He could add power next year. So. Underpaid, too. He's making nothing, which is a steal. Uh, you know, where does beer play into this equation? I mean... <laughs> Like, you guys drink a lot of beer. Are they are they the more powerful batters drinking stouts? Um, is, is is a better pitcher drinking a light, light, light beer or a Coors Light kind of a guy? Well, you know what? These guys actually work out so much that they can crush calories. Like it's it, while they're playing, the, you know, the calories, the extra calories in craft beer are not as much of a problem because they work out so hard. It's just it's just more in, you know. Right. They um, put on the baseball glove and boom, like seven beers gone. <laughs> Well, I have I have met some guys over the years that are into craft beer. Brandon Morrow, the guy who's probably going to be the closer for the Cubs next year, the big craft beer fan. Uh, uh, Kniebel, the closer for the Brewers, is a big craft. He's actually a brewer himself, a craft beer brewer. Um, so, you know, there is it's starting to make some inroads. I know some guys I had a book about craft beer and baseball and I knew I knew some of the players were, were buying it. So. There's We're gonna definitely... have to trade some books. We're gonna have to trade some beers yep, and, and sure. maybe uh, maybe some introductions to some of these baseball players that like beer. Maybe when they're passing through town. Yeah, or you guys come and visit me. Kevin Euclid has a brewery out here now, so we can go drink. Oh my Kevin god, Euclid. I'm just whoa, gonna drop whoa, the f bomb. No, Fuck. Yeah. yeah, let's go see you. Where are you again? 
Yeah, I'm in uh, Northern California. Right? Yeah. Yeah, done. All right, Sam and I are on the next plane out. <laughs> All right, you know, Saris, our friend, thank you so much. We will send you some beer as soon as we can collect enough to send out. Um, that thanks, sounds man. Great. Really appreciate it. Thank you, you know. Thanks for having me. All right, have a good, uh, happy holiday. Have a good December and, and take care of yourself, okay? Yeah, I'll come out to Denver sometime. Cheers. Bye, you know. Chug a look, chug a look. Make you want to holler high.